I'm glad you're here this morning. We're going to talk about peace. Now, raise your hand if you are interested in getting more peace. Okay, majority of you. Some of you may just given up, maybe. Some of you. Last week, we lit the candle of hope, representing the hope that is that we have because Jesus was born. And we talked about the fact that hope is not wishful thinking and something that might happen. It's certainty in something to come. It's certainty that we have because Jesus came. And so this Sunday, we're going to talk about peace. And I don't know what that word peace conjures up in your minds. Um, some of you may see images of, like I said in youth this morning, hot cocoa and a blanket sitting by a fire. Some of you, it might be sitting in your deer stand early morning uh, before the sun comes out, before all the woodland creatures wake up for you to shoot (laughs) with your guns. Um, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of peace. Some of you moms might just think of a few minutes without children screaming in your faces. Maybe there's, there's any number of things that are coming to your mind, but what we have today is one passage and, and really one phrase that we're going to study that I think will give us clear thinking about peace. And you'll be happy to know, I trimmed this sermon down from a beginning of eight points. Eight points from seven verses down to two points from one part of one verse. So you're welcome for that. And I did that because, well, for one thing, we do have our business meeting this afternoon. And, um, and I know it's hard to, to be at church for a long, long time. And I want everybody to be fresh for the business meeting. I expect that to last four to five hours. Um, but mainly, mainly because this is just really important. And I, these two points rose to the top as just being really important. And I want you guys to understand them. So this may be a very concise sermon This morning, Um, but I think it will be very practically helpful uh, as we look at peace and what it means for us in our peace, the fact that Jesus was born. So before we read our passage, it's Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read verses 2 through 7. And you want to, if you can flip, if you want to flip there so you can follow along with me when we read um, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. But before we do that, I want us just to pray together. And then, and then we'll stand and read God's word together. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for peace. Thank you for Jesus Christ and the fact that because of Jesus, we can have peace. Because otherwise, we would not. We would have no idea what peace even means. So I pray now that you would... Speak to us through your word, that it would be crystal clear, and that we would better understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to experience true, eternal peace. And I entrust all that into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. All right. If you would stand, if you're able, to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. It's a famous, very familiar Christmas passage, especially verse 6. The prophet Isaiah wrote, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. 
You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We're so grateful that we have God's word to read together. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Okay, we're talking about Christmas, and we're talking about peace, and we're talking about a familiar verse of Scripture. So please don't tune me out because of the familiarity of all three of these things. Because like I said earlier, I think that this will be beneficial. Um, My first point is simply this. Peace is not the gift. Jesus is the gift. The gift that we unwrap at Christmas is not peace. It's Jesus. Peace is not something that God hands us like a present. Jesus is what God hands us like a present. And it's a subtle but really important distinction to make. Verse 6 is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And what does it say? It says, to us a son is given. That's what God gave to us. Jesus Christ. It doesn't say to us some peace was given or to us some hope was given. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And if you try to make things about peace, you'll never, ever, ever find peace. If you set out to find peace, you're not going to find peace. But if you set out to find Jesus, he will bring you peace. It's an important but subtle distinction. Um, and it's, this isn't the only category of life where this phenomenon holds true. Think about the example of romance. Okay, you, you married couples. Um, how does romance go in your marriage? You don't have to actually answer audibly. I wouldn't want you to. But if you in your marriage or if you're dating, if you set out to establish romance... It's not going to happen. If you, you husbands, you decide, okay, we saw, we watched Kate and Leopold last night or whatever. I'm, it's time to make romance happen. I'm going to cook a wonderful dinner and we'll, I'll set the table beautifully and I'll wear a suit and this is going to be romantic tonight. And then your spouse comes home, maybe they've had a hard day or something, it just doesn't work. And then, or they're not in the mood for sitting down and talking over dinner. They just want to turn on a Seinfeld rerun or something. They're not into it. And then how do you react? You get angry and frustrated. Ah, I I did all this so that we could find romance. It won't work. But if you seek your spouse, 
then all that romance stuff will work itself out. So when you got married, you didn't marry uh, companionship. You didn't marry romance. You didn't marry intimacy. You married a person. So primarily, don't seek companionship or intimacy or romance. Seek the person and the other things work themselves out. Does that concept make sense? Because that's the same concept here for peace. So many of us, we want peace. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he's just had a, you know, honestly, just a train wreck of a life. A lot of tragedy. And he's struggling. And I said, well, you want peace, don't you? And he said, yes, but I just cannot find it. And that's because if, if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. Look for Jesus instead. And besides, what God gives us, I mean, it would be nice if God gave us peace. Like, okay, here today, I know you're having a hard day. Here's a, a basket of peace, and you'll feel better today. God has given us something so much better than that. Anything can give you a feeling of peace. A good, a good movie can give you a feeling of peace. It'll take your mind off of things, and you'll feel you know, somewhat at peace. A good hug can give you a feeling of peace. And those things are good. But what God has given us is so much better than those things. God has given us a prince of peace. So my first of my two points is that the peace is not the gift. Jesus is the gift. And the second we're at now is that the peace is in the following of Jesus. That word prince is the best that we can do um, to translate the idea from the original language. But it's often also translated commander. It, the connotation is authority. It's a ruler, a commander, a chief, a governor. It's someone to follow. I think often because, you know, Christmas is a cozy time of year. And our manger scene is a, it's a cozy little scene. And little baby Jesus is a cozy little character. That we try to derive our peace from the coziness of the season. You know, it's nice. But note the context of this passage where it says a child is born and a son is given. It's not just about the peace of coziness. It's about a ruler has arrived. A ruler who can set things right. A ruler, a a captain, a prince who can mend together all the brokenness. The word peace, it's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. And it means basically wholeness, completeness. You know, we talked earlier about what comes to your mind when we say the word peace. What he's talking about is wholeness, completeness, the bringing together of the fragmented brokenness of our lives. So physically, you're not experiencing shalom or peace if one part of you is in pain. Do you know what I mean? Like, If your whole body is healthy, but you have a toothache, you're not experiencing peace. Or if everything's healthy, but you just stubbed your toe on the chair, your body's not experiencing shalom. It's, it requires wholeness. It requires completeness. That's the biblical idea of peace. So in your, in your family, you know, families in America, I don't know a family that is experiencing shalom, where all the pieces of the puzzle are complete and together and working properly. But that's what we want. Isn't it? 
We, we want all these things to come together. That's what's characterized by the rule of Jesus Christ. So at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the baby Jesus, but mainly because he is the prince of peace, the ruler, has come. So the second point is that the peace is in the following. You know the saying, the proof is in the pudding? I actually don't know what that means, but I assume it means you'll know the pudding's good when you eat it. Am I right? You guys don't, you guys don't know. <laughs> You're just like, I'd like to have some pudding. <laughs> well, like the proof is in the pudding, the peace is in the following. It's in the following of Jesus Christ. Um, some of you may have made this deal with God. If you will give me peace, then I'll follow Jesus. Then I'll know this is legit. Give me peace, and then I'll get serious about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. But that's like saying, I'll jump into the pool, and if I float, then I'll swim. It doesn't work that way. The floating is in the swimming. The peace is in the following. So we need to move from just warm feelings of gladness about Jesus to following Jesus. We need to move from just associating ourselves with the things of Jesus to being citizens under his authority. Because that's where life is. That's where peace is. And there is no peace outside of that. There is no peace outside of the rule of the Prince of Peace. So the big question for us this morning is, are we here where we have warm feelings about Jesus? We like him. And we like to be associated with Jesus and the things of Jesus, you know, church and niceness and whatnot. Are we here or are we here? Firmly under the umbrella of his rule and authority. Citizens of his kingdom. Followers of his rule. And it's a very big difference. But it's invisible and subtle. I, I can't look out there and tell which one's which in here. I don't know. So think about that for yourself. Because it makes all the difference in the world, especially in terms of peace. And maybe you're thinking, well, what does that even mean? I thought being churchy, you know, being involved in church was following Jesus. Maybe. It, it can be. For some people, your involvement in church is an expression of your allegiance, your devotion to Jesus Christ, but not necessarily. Lots of folks get very involved in churches and have no real regard for Jesus Christ. So I can't know for sure just because people are involved. The difference is the people who care what Jesus says, which would tend to make us read what Jesus says, and who respond to it, and whose lives are changing to more and more be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Someone who's moving in the direction that Jesus holds out in his word. So if you're here and you want to go there, a good first step is to go here. Maybe pick out one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just start reading and prayerfully responding. Does that sound too easy, too simple? You know, when Jesus saw his disciples, when he's walking along the beach and they're out fishing, what did he say to them? Do you remember? You can actually say it if you remember. Yes. Follow me. Come on. So that's, that's the Christmas invitation. Follow, follow him. Follow Jesus. 
be a citizen of his, his kingdom because it's him. It's all about Jesus. It's Jesus who is the light, the great light for those in darkness. I love how poetic Isaiah is. He's talking to this group of people and he describes them earlier in chapter 8 as those who have no dawn. People who have no prospect of light rising over the horizon. Those who have no dawn are hopeless. But then he has this prophecy of, but wait, there's a great light that's going to shine onto the nations and it's Jesus. So it's Jesus who brings light. It's it's Jesus who multiplies the nation. If we're going to make disciples and grow, it's, it's going to be Jesus who multiplies us. It's Jesus who makes people glad and rejoice in joy. It talks about in verse 3 how it's, it's the same kind of joy that you have in harvest, or since most of us aren't farmers when you get your paycheck, it's the same kind of joy we have then, plus the kind of joy you have at conquest. When the enemy is defeated, it's great joy. But it's Jesus who brings that. It's Jesus who breaks the yoke. It's Jesus who destroys destruction in verse 5. It's Jesus who is the wonderful counselor. It's Jesus who is the mighty God. It's Jesus who is the everlasting Father. It's Jesus that we follow. So the invitation this Christmas is to follow Jesus. Join the kingdom with a capital K that grows in the midst of all the kingdoms with the lowercase k's. The kingdom of God is a hard thing to understand. But Jesus pictured it as leaven spreads in, in uh, bread. The kingdom of God is growing in America right now. And it's growing in China right now. And it's growing in India right now. And that's the kingdom that we're a part of when we follow Jesus. It's the country with a capital C that will grow and remain long after America, the country with the lowercase c, is gone and the rubble has cleared away. It's a nation with a capital N. And the increase of the peace of being a citizen of this nation, of following Jesus Christ, is never-ending. That's what it says in verse 7. The increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It will be ever-increasing. Every day will be more peaceful than the last. When you follow Jesus Christ. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So let's follow Jesus Christ. Now right now I just want to pray for us. And we're going to sing a closing song. I told you. Concise. We're going to sing a closing song. And during that closing song is my invitation to you. To prayerfully turn to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time, and maybe your next step will need to be making it public in baptism. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ who's just wandered away and you've been following something else. Here's your chance this Christmas season. Prayerfully rededicate your focus to Jesus Christ. And you can come and pray up here, and I'm not going to even come to you unless you flag me down. I just want you to have time to prayerfully turn toward Jesus. All right? Good. Let me pray for you, and then I'll invite Alicia to come up and uh, lead us in our closing song and time of prayer. Bow with me, if you would. Father, thank you for Jesus, the Prince of Peace. May we all stop seeking peace and start seeking Jesus. May we all follow Jesus. 
and thereby experience the peace, experience his ministry of fixing the brokenness, of making whole the fragmentation of our lives. And I understand that that's a miraculous thing. So now I will stop talking. I will trust this in your hands, the Holy Spirit, to work this out in our hearts. And may this Christmas season be one marked by clearer, more focused, more passionate, more joyful, more peaceful pursuit and obedience to the rule of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen.